0: welcome to the vanguard bible church podcast for more information about vanguard bible church visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on sunday mornings at 9 a.m at freedom middle school in northwest bakersfield we hope you enjoy today's message good morning vanguard family and anybody that's visiting and watching this video with us this morning. I hope you're resting well and staying healthy as we try to shelter at home and prevent or limit the spread of the coronavirus this spring. Before we get started, I just wanted to make sure to remind you to uh, have a copy of God's Word in front of you to print a copy of the handout that's on the website. If you go to our website, and you go to the link for this message on the right hand side there's a link that says notes if you click that it'll open a PDF you can download it to your computer or print it and then thirdly have something to write with so you can follow along. I want you to be able to use the worksheet so that you can follow along with me it'll help you stay engaged and then it'll give you some content that you can remember later this week and into this month hopefully uh, as as we continue to wade through this global crisis together. Uh, Before we dive into the scriptures this morning, I just want to encourage you to also be making worship a part of your Sunday and the rest of your week. For example, in our home, I've been asking our family to only play worship songs on Sunday in the house and we like to have music playing all the time, but also throughout the week in lieu of listening to podcasts when I get up and get ready in the morning, I'm trying to play worship music so that I'm filling my mind and my heart with the truth of God's Word to encourage me and remind me of His character and how much He cares for me. And then, interestingly, those songs continue to play throughout my head, throughout the rest of my day, so I find myself humming them or singing those songs. And I know it helps me in my walk with the Lord, and I'm sure it'll help you, so I encourage you to do that. I also wanna thank those of you who have continued to worship through giving. We know from the scriptures that God's people sang and gave to him as part of their worship. And so thank you to those of you who have remembered to continue giving to the church uh, as part of your worship. If you haven't done that yet, I want to encourage you to go to our website. You can either visit the coronavirus page or the give page on our website. Both places have directions on how you can give online or by sending uh, a check to our church mailbox. Well, all that. now that I've covered that business, let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into the scriptures together. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, Would you please just quiet our hearts, help us to quiet our hearts right now as we open your Word. And Lord, please, would you speak to us through your Word. Would you, by your Spirit, illuminate the text for us so we can see things that we could not see without you. And Lord, for those who might be familiar with this passage we're going to be looking at right now, would you help them to see things that they haven't seen before as well. Father, we ask that by the end of this time, together in the Word, you would help us to walk away closer to you and different, changed, because we put our face in the scriptures. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we're continuing this little series I'm calling Biblical Thinking about the coronavirus, and uh, I want to try my best to help you think biblically or look through the lens of the scriptures as you see and hear things on the news in the weeks ahead. Uh, One of the things I thought about this week that would be helpful is to address the common issue of anxiety. I think anxiety is arguably the one biggest topic issue that the whole world is struggling with right now. And Anxiety, whether you call it fear, whether you call it worry, uh, it, is, it is an uneasiness or a nervousness about what is transpiring or what hasn't transpired yet. And So uh, interesting, thankfully uh, and interestingly, God's Word has help and hope for believers when it comes to the topic of anxiety. Uh, in fact, I want to share some of the help today and then I'm going to share some the next couple of weeks what I think are three antidotes to anxiety. Now you might remember from watching spy movies that an antidote is a a type of medicine that the hero might get shot with in order to counteract the spread or the effects of the poison he got uh, given by the villain. Well, anxiety is a poison that affects our souls and it affects our walk with the Lord. It's something the Lord does not want us to struggle with. And so thankfully, he's given us antidotes that can help us counteract the effects of anxiety. So that's what I want to talk about today with you. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And I just want to read a few verses with you and then give you some blanks to fill in on your uh, sermon note handout or your Bible study handout. In Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, reasonableness excuse me, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. There's some great verses there and some encouraging truth. Here's the uh, point, I think, if I could boil it down, what these verses are talking about here. On your outline, the first antidote to anxiety would be this. It's submissive prayer. Submissive prayer. Now, what I mean by submissive is... I mean a type of prayer that yields to what God is doing in our lives and surrenders the worries and fears we have back to Him. Now you might remember Paul wrote the letter to the Philippian church while he was under house arrest in Rome for preaching the gospel. and I would consider him an expert or an authority on the topic of anxiety because if anybody had a reason to be anxious, it would be Paul. Paul was facing an uncertain future. Uh, He didn't know whether his uh, appointment with Caesar that he was waiting for was going to end with jail time or execution. And then on top of that, he's under house arrest, and he's chained to a Roman centurion uh, in this house in Caesar's palace. And he's basically, his whole life's been turned upside down, where he's no longer able to travel, see his friends, and plant churches, and see the Lord use him to do great things. He's locked up in a room. He can't go anywhere. And so he's writing letters to his friends at these various churches. So I think, I think Paul could have been anxious. But what's amazing is that he wasn't. He wasn't anxious. And so um, notice he says in verse 5 that the Lord is at hand. Literally in the original text, it, it would read, The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Meaning his second coming is near. Uh, This is a quick reference to what theologians call the imminent return of Christ. Uh, The scriptures teach that at any moment, the Lord is going to come back and rapture his followers and take them back home to heaven with him in order to prevent them from being here on earth during what's called the tribulation period, where God is going to pour out his wrath on earth, judging the earth for its sin and rebellion against him. And so what Paul is, in essence, saying here in the context, the Lord is near, the Lord is near. He's trying to say that, look, since we don't know when the Lord is coming back to rapture us, don't be caught worrying about little trivial things or material possessions or temporal things that will not matter. They will not matter when the Lord comes back to get you. Next, notice he says, "Then do not be anxious." The word for anxious is a—it's a very interesting word in the Greek text. It—it it, it means to be pulled apart or pulled in different directions. You know, if you can just visualize somebody being tugged in different directions, they're—they're—they're they're, they're not one. They're not at peace. They're not focused. They're—they're they're distracted. Um, and so, it, it's written in what Greek scholars call uh, the present imperative. In other words. Paul chooses a tense for this word, do not be anxious, that assumes they're already doing it and tells them to stop. So so he's literally saying, stop being anxious because I know you already are. Now the apostle, I think, is making it clear here in, in Philippians 4 that anxiety is a dangerous emotion that the Lord does not want us to have. It's a dangerous emotion that He does not want us to have. It, why? Well, besides the fact that anxiety demonstrates a distrust in the Lord and His character and His care for us, additionally, anxiety, we know from medical research, is not good for our bodies. It's, it has damaging physiological effects on our bodies. like, For example, those who struggle with anxiety have difficulty sleeping, have an elevated heart rate, sometimes high blood pressure, um, chest pain, uh, fatigue from lack of sleep or depleted adrenal glands. The adrenal glands of stressed people are constantly pumping out cortisol and that cortisol then eventually takes a toll on the body. Uh, Those who, who are anxious, struggle with irritability, they have digestive issues and much, much, much more. So we know from God's design of the body that anxiety is not good for us. And then we know from the scriptures that anxiety is, is not something he wants us to have because it reveals we're not trusting him, that we're not believing in his goodness. And so let's pause the video here for just a moment. And I, I want you to talk about the discussion question that's on your on your handout, your little worksheet, and it, and it's this. What are some things that you are prone to worry about? What are some things you are prone to worry about? I'd like you to talk about that with your family or with your spouse or your friends, or, or maybe if you're just by yourself, that's okay. Uh, just pause the video and think about it for a moment and just jot down some of the things that you worry about often that cause you anxiety. Do that and I'll be back in just a minute and we'll resume our study. Well, welcome back, and I I know you came up with some good examples of things that we get anxious about. There are many that we could list. I I know some common ones are the loss of financial security or material possessions. Uh, Some people fear and get anxious about the loss of comfort. Uh, Others struggle or worry about the loss of friends, family, relationships, uh, fear of failure, uh, death. Just fear of death is a common one that that, uh, people struggle with, especially unbelievers, and I could go on and on. Anxiety though, or worry, now that you have these examples in the front of your mind, is not something the Lord wants us to struggle with. He does not want us to worry about losing money, losing friends, losing financial security, material possessions, losing our jobs. He does not want us to worry about losing relationships or friends. And he certainly does not want the believer to worry about death, because Jesus is taking care of that for us. Now, anxiety is sinful, I think, in the scriptures, because it displays a distrust in God and a rejection of his providence in our lives. It shows a distrust of God's character and a rejection of his providence in our lives. That's why we need to take anxiety seriously. Now, there are two ways that Paul suggests dealing with anxiety in Philippians 4. If you look back at the text with me, notice he says in verse 6, he encourages us, do not be anxious about anything but in everything through prayer. And so that's letter A on your worksheet. Letter A is if you give your anxieties to him in prayer, If you give your anxieties to Him in prayer, the Lord wants us to do that and invites us to do so. And I could list several other references in scriptures where He does that, but for the sake of time, I don't have I don't have time to get to that. But um, notice in verse six, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, now I want you to also notice though the type of prayer that Paul is encouraging us to do here. Is not, it's not complaining to God about the things we worry about, nor is it telling God the things that we worry about, because he already knows. He already knows what we're struggling with. Instead, uh, I think what Paul is encouraging us to do is to lay our anxieties at the Lord's feet, to say, I can't, I can't handle this, Lord. I'm burdened by these things. You take them. I want to give them to you, Lord, so that I can live peace peacefully today. In fact, Peter addressed this when he was writing to his audience in 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, Peter wrote, Cast all your anxieties upon him, because he cares for you. Uh, again, just that casting image. I always think of fishing when I read 1 Peter 5, verse 7. I always think of casting a line to go fishing throwing all my anxieties on the Lord and then doing my best not to take them back and I do struggle with that I'll admit it but not to take them back but to leave them with the Lord so that he can deal with them so Paul's Paul's solution if you notice in the text is simple he's saying be anxious about nothing pray about everything be anxious about nothing pray about everything One of the ways, one of the many ways, in fact, the Lord will use stressors in our lives is to get us to spend more time with Him in prayer. Have you thought about that? That what the Lord is doing in your life right now may be His way of getting you to spend more time with Him in prayer. Not only does He love spending time with us, He also is willing to add burdens or remove comforts from our lives so we will have to or choose to spend more time with him in prayer because he wants time with us he wants us to be closer to him and he knows that things that we worry about like money and relationships and health and all those other things that you just thought of during your discussion question he knows those things can sometimes drive us away from him and so He'll use those, redeem those, to bring us closer to Him. Next, notice letter B uh, on your outline is this. Uh, if you give your burdens, if you give your anxieties to Him in prayer, the Lord will give you His peace. That's letter B. The Lord will give you His peace and return. We see it there in verse 7. And the peace of God. The peace of God. Now, this is interesting. I never knew this until I really studied this more closely. But what Paul is referring to here is the peace that God has as he rules the universe. That he has peace at all times. Always has, always will, and will never lose it. Have you ever thought about that? The fact that the Lord has never once in world history or in the history of the universe been anxious about anything. That means he's always been at peace. And so what Paul is saying in the text in Philippians 4, 7 is that we can have the peace that God has if we will take our anxieties to him and give them to him in prayer. That means we can receive the supernatural peace that God has as he rules the universe, never worrying about a thing. We can have those as children of that belong to him. That's just mind-blowing for me. But Let's pause the video again. I've got another discussion question for you to think about and talk about with your family or your spouse. And it's this, what are some examples from everyday life that you can think of that paint a picture of peace? What, peace, what does peace look like for you if you were to take a picture or to paint a picture? You know, for example, one of the things that comes to my mind uh, is when I think of peace, I think of the smooth surface on a lake in the morning when the sun comes up, where, where the water of the lake is like glass, and uh, and it's, it's not disrupted yet by boaters and water skiers. That's one, that's one image that comes to my mind. How about you? What are some examples or images that come to your mind when you think of peace? Talk about that amongst yourselves, and I'll be back in a minute. Okay, I'm sure you guys came up with some good ones. Here's a few others that I came up with, uh, as far as examples from everyday life that paint a picture of peace. Um, A baby sleeping. When my kids were younger, I sometimes just would love to watch them sleep in their crib because I found it so peaceful and so calming. Or um, sometimes just watching our family dog sleep and seeing how at rest he is when he's doing that. finding that kind of calming. Uh, A quiet house in the morning is another example, when everybody gets up, before everybody gets up. Or maybe a library where it's just quiet. Um, Or putting on noise-canceling headphones, to use a current example of technology where you put on noise-canceling headphones and it blocks out all the sound and you can have sort of just peace in your own world. Those are some ideas I came up with. I'm sure you guys came up with some better ones. but. Back at the text, look, look with me, if you would, at verse 7. Notice Paul says, and the peace of God, and he, he adds this, this clause, this description, it surpasses all understanding. I, I, think, I think what he's trying to say is that the peace that God has because of who he is, because nobody threatens his power, nobody can usurp his position in the universe. The peace that He has is so great, it's difficult for humans like us to understand it. It's, it's almost sort of foreign to us, where it, it's beyond our understanding, but we can have it by giving our anxieties, anxieties to the Lord through prayer. Uh, the peace that God has, and He's willing to give us, Is beyond the reach of our understanding just like the edge of space is hard for us to imagine but the Lord is willing to give it to us if we will surrender or submit our anxieties to him in prayer so the encouraging part if you haven't been encouraged already what I find encouraging by this text is that the Lord does not want us to be anxious and in fact he stands ready and willing and able to take our burdens on himself so we don't have to carry them and he's willing to take all the burdens of our church and all the other churches in the world upon himself because his shoulders are big enough he can handle them and he's there's no limit to his power there's no limit to his strength and he still with all those burdens will never ever be anxious he will always have peace well, how do we apply the text now that we've talked through? Here's two applications that come to mind. Number one, I want to encourage you to surrender your anxieties to the Lord every morning. To start your day spending time in God's Word and in prayer and giving Him the things that you worry about. Saying, Lord, I'm going to slide these things across the table to you so that I don't have to carry them throughout the day. Thank you, Lord, that you want to take them instead. And then you can fix these things I'm worried about when I can't. And that's just opening up God's Word, maybe using a devotional book as a guide, spending time in the Word, reading it, meditating on it, so that you're being reminded of His character and His care for you. And then spending some time praying about what you read and incorporating in your prayers the things that you are worried about in the day ahead. I want to encourage you to do that. Here's the second application. Number two, um, thank him then throughout the day for being your burden bearer. Thank him throughout the day that because you gave him your burdens in the morning during your devotional time, that he still has so as you're going to lunch or you're going to the grocery store or you're doing laundry or whatever you need to do, errands, chores throughout the day or going to work thank him that he has the burdens that you gave him, that he's got them, that he's taking care of them, that he's working on them, and that you don't have to carry them. I want to encourage you to do that. You can voice that out loud, maybe while you're driving in your car, just say, Lord, I just thank you that that bill that I don't know how we're going to pay for, that you've got that bill. You're going to take care of that bill. And so I can drive in peace as I'm on my way to a meeting, or Lord thank you so much that um, that relationship I'm worried about that that you're going to help me fix that but I don't need to worry about that relationship I'm going to do my part according to the scriptures to reconcile that broken relationship but you're going to take care of all the worry and burden for me and I'll trust you with the results those would be just a few examples that come to mind well I hope this was helpful for you as our entire world right now is uneasy and nervous about all that's transpiring with this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Before we close, I just want to leave you with this quote that it's marked me and I think of it whenever I'm struggling with anxiety and I find it both encouraging and convicting for me. It's from the 19th century Scottish evangelist Oswald Chambers. You probably have heard him before, but he once said this, Quote, all of our fret and worry is caused by calculating without God. All of our fret and our worry is caused by calculating without God. In other words, Chambers was saying, it's because when we get anxious, we are envisioning a future that does not include God. And boy, I know I need to hear that as this coronavirus pandemic is spreading throughout the country, that it's easy as we watch the news to be, un- to be uneasy to be nervous and worried like the, like the news channels are worrying. But one of the things they're not factoring in, and it's the biggest thing, is God. They're not including Him in their future predictions of what's going to come next. They're not factoring in or calculating with God in mind. But we can. We can because we've got His Word. And through our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we have access to Him. So I leave you with that today. I hope you have a blessed week. It's been great spending time with you. Please, please continue to spend time in God's Word and in prayer this week. And I look forward to seeing you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.